was part two of standing in the storm. And um, last week we talked from the, the last few verses of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Listen, where Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, hears the word and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains came, the floods came, and the tornadoes came, that house was not moved because it was built on the rock. And we talked last week about those words, the word, it's life-giving. Just the word of God spoken gives life. It's inherent in its nature. And it's life-saving. It could correct Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed our diseases. Life-giving, life-saving. This morning, I want us to take another look at another storm and how we are to stand. And I know you're aware that many of us, our, our, our nation is in a storm like we've not been in in my lifetime. Our world has never been. And every week, it's like they ratchet up the pressure. They ratchet up the fulfilling of many prophecies. It's incredible. And we're in a storm, but our faith was built for it. And we can stand in this storm and not be brought low or to a point of destruction. Because we're not going to be like the foolish builder who heard the word of God, like the wise man, but he didn't put it into practice. He built his house down at Rosemary Beach. And when the storm came, gone. Don't be foolish and buy a house. No, I'm just kidding. If you have a house at Rosemary Beach, my cell number is 770-853-389. And Candace and I are available pretty much during the week, any week. Got to be here on Sundays. So, standing in the storm, Hebrews chapter 12, we've got two very familiar passages of Scripture. Before we go here, everybody look. Um, I had a pastor consultant tell me one time, Pastor Chuck, you just use too many Bible verses in your sermons. And I said, thank you. You don't even know how many I peel out and take away when I get here on Sundays. So get ready, and you're going to go, man, I bet you pulled that sermon out of the file of your old youth pastor days. Kind of. It's a great story, but it's incredibly rich and practical. And the Lord put it in my spirit. It's marinated, and I'm fired up to deliver it this morning. Two passages. Hebrews 12, we read from the Amplified. The writer says, let us run, run, not walk, with endurance and active persistence. I love that. The race that is set before us. In some translations go, and here's how you do that. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Not being distracted by anything and setting our focus on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. In this passage we learn how to run and finish this race that we're in. There's stuff that's very distracting that happens to us. We've got to put it aside, simply 
set our focus on the Son of God, who is the Word. We have to set our gaze on Him. Now, we see this lived out in another story where there's a storm. But before we go there, everybody listen. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus gets word that his relative, John the Baptist, has been martyred. That's an em- He tries to get away. Because when you go through something like that, even Jesus, who set an example for us, he tries to get away, but people wouldn't let him. Thousands of people came. He taught them, and then they got hungry, and he had to feed them. 5,000 families he fed, and then he sent them away. So it's in him sending away, right after that great miracle had been done, we pick up right here, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, after what? After Jesus sent the 5,000 he just fed, after he just sent them away. Immediately after that, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up. He finally got to do what he was trying to do after he got word of what had happened to John. He went up to the hill, into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. We're always in trouble when we get away from Jesus, right? Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. They were far away from land, an unsure, insecure place. For a strong, in some translations say, boisterous wind. How many boisterous voices are we hearing right now? A lot of hot air trying to distract us. For a strong, boisterous wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out. Listen, they're describing Jesus' movement in their storm. God's movement, his presence. They say, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Now, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. Why? Because I am here. How many of you are more courageous? Your faith when when you're in his presence. He speaks and reminds you, don't be afraid. It's me. I am here. Well, verse 28, look. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, if that's you, God, in this storm, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. And they said, you you are the Messiah. You truly are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, this isn't our hobby. We're not here because of any other reason, but we love you, and your word instructs us how to live, to come together and worship, together in your name. We don't come to hear somebody talk about you. We don't come to hear religious ideas. We don't come out of obligation. We are here, Lord, to meet with you and to hear from you. 
You are a God who speaks still, clearly. And when you speak, things happen. And when people hear and receive and align with what you're saying, we live and we stand in difficult times. And you prosper us and you bless us. We pray, Lord. Come on, how many of you want to hear from God this morning? Speak to us, Lord. Let your word go forth with clarity, creativity, and power. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Jesus insists, disciples, go ahead. i got to get some time. Sends the people home. He finally gets alone to pray. Verse 24 says, meanwhile, the disciples were, as I just read, they were in trouble. They were far from land. A strong, boisterous wind had risen and they were fighting waves. The disciples, listen, found themselves in a storm, a life-threatening storm, and they were literally fighting for their lives. Have you ever been in a storm? What is a storm? Well, literally, it's what happened last Sunday morning in North Atlanta. Snowmageddon hit North Atlanta. And we were here for the second service, all eight of us, and it was snowing outside. And do you know when we left at the end of the day, there was almost a half inch of snow. It had covered, it was all over Facebook. There was no milk. There was no bread. We didn't know if we were going to make it. And some of us, because we are Simon Peter, get out of the boat kind of people, we came to church and praise God. We are back here today. We survived it. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And the rest of y'all missed the greatest service. Eight of us had our lives transformed. It was a principle for me. The Lord had told me earlier in the week, you're going to be preaching on standing in the storm. And then we get Snowmageddon 2022, and I'm like, we are not canceling church. I don't care what the governor says, the president says. I don't care what Dr. Fauci says. I don't care what Dr. Fauci says. I don't care what Dr. Fauci, I, I'm sorry, I got stuck. We are not giving in to any variants. We are from Atlanta. We've been dealing with the Delta variant at Hartsfield International Airport our whole lives. We were made for this. Can I get a witness? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. But what is a real storm, metaphorically speaking? It's when you're trying to recover after an unfair, ugly divorce. It's when you were in that, late in that first trimester and there's no heartbeat and it's a miscarriage. It's when you prayed that that biopsy would not come back and it came back. You got that pink slip and you've never, you've never been unemployed. Your company's downsizing and you're just a little too old now and you make a little too much money and the young guys are coming in. They can pay them less. That's a storm. 
You're in a pandemic. You're dealing with another report from the school board about what your kids have been learning for the last three or four years. These are storms. A storm is, listen to me, that situation or event that makes it almost impossible for you to be at peace. Almost impossible to forego your emotions, to be able to worship. It's that situation that dwells, you dwell on it. Don't do anything until you can fix it. It's a storm. It becomes your new reference point. It threatens to be your new identity. Bankrupt, divorced, unemployed. It's a storm. If you're in a storm right now, please listen to me closely. You're in it for one of two reasons. Either you are in a place doing something you weren't called or told to do. And there's no grace. And there's naturally a storm. Warren Wiersbe says, that's a storm of correction. You're off course. And God in his mercy has let a storm come up to get you back on course. Other people, you, you're not doing something you're not supposed to. You are in fact doing what God called you to do. And you're in that place serving doing what he's called you and equipped you to do. And you're dealing with a storm. But it's not a storm of correction. It's a storm of perfection. He's perfecting your faith. He allowed it and planned for it. And he's going to use it for you to get revelation. You see, a correction storm, listen to me, is about discipline. Something's got to change. A perfection storm is about revelation. Something's got to change in how you view Jesus. If you're in a storm right now, the disciples, you can relate. They weren't in a storm of correction. They were in a storm of perfection. Jesus said, now go on to the other side. They're doing exactly what they were told to do. And they came into some turbulence, and we come into turbulence. We call it spiritual warfare. And Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle principalities, spiritual forces in the heavenlies, the unseen realm. We do wrestle. You know, I hate wrestling. I hate fake wrestling. I hated wrestling in middle school. When they did that, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, like you have to, I'm like, you're, you like have to strip down and go out and wrestle another guy. As a middle school heterosexual, that just didn't turn me on, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you have to do it. And, and they're like, and the wrestling coach is like, hey, why don't you wrestle? I'm like, because I like wearing clothes in public. And I don't like hugging other, du hugging other dudes. You know I know? This is like counseling for me. Just work with me, people. I'm getting, getting it off my chest. But Paul says we don't wrestle with people, but we do wrestle. And that's what it feels like when you're in a storm, whether it's correction or perfection. It feels like, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Is physical, this is taking, I'm losing my breath. This is all I've got to survive. And I can't let him pin me. I've got to pin him. So 
whether you're in a correction or a perfection, in the storm, God uses it. How do you get out of a storm of correction when you're doing something you're not supposed to do? You repent and get out of that place ASAP. Can I get a witness? Quit trying to negotiate. Quit trying to go, well, God, what if I do? What? Quit trying to negotiate. If you're in a storm of correction, you're going under if you don't repent and get out of there. What about if you're in a storm of perfection? Listen, this is what we're going to look at today. If you're in a storm of perfection, you, you must listen for a word, capital W, and set your focus on Jesus. And in our story in Matthew chapter 14, that's exactly, listen to me, what Peter did in Matthew 14. They were where they were supposed to be, doing what they were supposed to be doing, and this life-threatening storm popped up. And Jesus was about to give them revelation. In that kind of storm, there's three things God wants you to know. The first one is this. God wants you to know that he is fully aware of your storm, and he is with you. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Look at me. He knows all about your storm. He knows it by name. He knows the understanding of all the elements in the atmosphere that created it. He knew that storm before that storm was a storm. He knew that storm's mama and grandmama. He knows all about all the history in the lineage of that storm's family. And he also has a recollection of how he used all those storms from all those people in that storm family and how he got glory out of it instead of seeing his people get demolished and brought down. He wants you to know while a storm can make you feel isolated or rejected or alone or condemned and we get overwhelmed with self-doubt in a storm and we begin to point our finger at things that don't even matter and the Lord wants us to know in the middle of the storm that we are to set our focus on him and trust that God is aware and he's present. Now, the disciples had a reference point for this. This isn't the first storm they've been on in, on the Sea of Galilee. It's really a big lake, seven miles wide, 14 miles long. It's a big lake. You can see across it. I've been there. And these disciples, half of them were fishermen. They knew where to catch the fish. They knew the conditions in the atmosphere that often there would be a beautiful hour and one minute, two minutes later, here comes a storm. They knew all about it. They also had a reference point in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Listen, they were in the boat, and this time Jesus was in the boat with them. And the Bible says that they were taking on more water than they can handle. They were about to capsize, and Jesus was asleep on the boat. Have you ever had God in your presence? You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and it's like, God, wake up. And Jesus got woke. Can you believe that? Simon Peter went and woke him up, or the disciples did, and they said, don't you care that we are going to drown? And Jesus rubbed his eyes, and he looked up, and he said, 
peace. Be still. And the Bible says that that storm became completely calm. And the disciples, you know what they said. Who is this? Here, work with. They said, some translate, what, what kind of man is this? That's what a perfecting storm does. He reveals a side of himself that you've never seen. And they said, you know what? Surely this is the Son of God. But here in Matthew chapter 14, it's a little different. And he's not in the boat. He's not sleeping. He's not in the boat. Mark's gospel tells the story, the same story in verse Chapter 6, verse 48 says about Jesus. He saw the disciples straining. They'd been fighting a storm all night because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. He went out to be in that storm. Look at me, look at me. The storm is happening. He knows about it. He's watching them. And the longer they strain, he finally said, I'm going out to be with them. Hear me. Kuas, he is with you in this storm. He knows all about it, and he's the sovereign one directing that storm. And those weapons may be formed, but they're not going to prosper. And in your life, your storm, whatever you're going through, hear me, it's as simple as it gets. This is youth pastor talk. God is with you. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our Lord and our Savior. And he's working in that storm. Now here comes a little rapid fire, some of these verses to help you get this. Isaiah 59.1. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. Isaiah chapter 43. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. How many of you remember the day? And you heard it. And he said, you are mine. When you go through the deep waters, anybody been through deep waters? I'm not talking about like little Chattahoochee stuff. I'm talking about like deep waters. Anybody ever been through the canal? Deep waters. The prophet says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, hear me. Let the word of God get in this atmosphere and saturate and permeate our minds and how we think. He says, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hear me. Second time in this. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Psalm 8, 94, verses 8 through 11. They think God isn't looking. Jacob's God is out to lunch. Well, Think again, you idiots, fools. How long before you get smart? Don't you love the word of God? Message translation. Now look at this. Do you think that, look, this becomes a proper pronoun. Do you think ear maker doesn't hear? Eye shaper doesn't see? Hear me. This is almost insulting to say, do you not realize God's arms aren't too short? He's not T-Rex. He's not Dorf the golfer. This is God Almighty, the omnipotent one. And the prophet goes, 
Stop being afraid. That God is with you. We've raised seven children. I'd say it almost every week, but just to give you a reason why you should keep us high on your prayer list. And we used to take our kids before all the greenways came to Alpharetta and Forsyth County. We used to go out to um, Holy Calford, Silver Comet over in, uh, in Smyrna. And it goes all the way to Birmingham now. And I, I, I love bike riding and I love to ride bikes with our kids. And we had seven children. We would load up in our Suburban. We had bikes all over the top and off the back. We looked like the clampets going over to, for a stinking bike ride. And Candace would get out front with the older ones. And I would bring up the rear to make sure. And you should have seen just my bike. I've got my bike and that one of those little one-wheel bikes that connects that Banks was on. Connected to his bike was a little trailer that had three of his brothers. I'm like, Candace, y'all have fun. I've got more than half the family. I know you carried them when they were before they were born, but I'm like carrying them. Little Caroline would get just ahead of me when she was five, six years old. Now, I can see that picture like it happened this morning. Those little pigtails and her little 16-inch wheel bikes. Just, and she would go, she was just ahead of me, and I'm making sure, I'm sweeping through to make sure all the Ramseys are ahead of us. And Candace is up. And, and it, that little Caroline, she would ride. And she would, to look back and make sure I was still there. She would ride again. She, it almost brought tears to my eyes then, it does now. And I'm like, oh, honey, you don't need to look back. I love you. You could try to get out of my eyesight. But that little bike, and you, your legs are too short. Your arms are too short. You couldn't get out of my eyesight or my presence if you tried. And nobody could come and get you out of my presence. The Lord would say to you this morning, He is in your storm. He's the God of the storm. And He's going to use that storm for His glory. Hebrews 7, 25 says, He lives to intercede on your behalf. He did you know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? This morning, he was praying for you. How many of you feel a little bit more faith, realize, being reminded the Son of God is praying to the Father for you? Are y'all out there this morning? Come on, somebody give God praise. Now, the second thing God wants you to know, not only is he with you, he knows about your storm, all about it. He's got a plan for it. Second thing, he wants you to know that you must listen to him. I don't know what your church background is, denominational persuasion, but God still speaks. If you were taught that he doesn't, that the Bible is closed, the Bible is closed, the canons are closed, but God still speaks by his spirit, and he still speaks through his word. And it's rhema word. And the word is important. Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread. Man lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when you're in a storm, if you find yourself in a stormy situation, please, you've got to stop and pray and ask God to speak to you. And he will. The disciples have been fighting this storm all night. Jesus walks out to them. I want you to see this picture. He walks out to them in that storm, and they think, 
He's a ghost. Have you ever been in a situation and the movement of God is scary, creepy? And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, he said, it's, it's me. Do not be afraid. And what did Peter say? Peter said, God, if Peter prayed, it's a perfect picture of prayer. If that's you, will you say one thing? Come. Because I want to be, if that's you, if you're moving like, if that's you, I want to be close to you in this storm. These 11 knuckleheads, I want to hear you. And G, what Jesus say? Listen, come. Understand, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. We underestimate the power of the word. The power of the, just the speaking, come. Peter said, Okay, in this storm, I just got revelation. I just got a word from the Lord. I just received instructions on what I'm to do next in this storm. He said, come. Peter, he gets a lot of grief. Peter put one foot over the edge of that boat. He said, he is walking on, he's walking on water. There's been two people in the history of the planet to walk on Peter, walk on water and one of them is Simon Peter and the other one is who? Jesus, that special company. Understand this picture. Don't see this as a little nursery rhyme. That's cute to increase. This actually happened. Peter received a word, said come. He had learned, trust that word. Why? When he was called to be a disciple, Jesus spoke a word that was impossible, but it came true. If you've watched The Chosen, you remember. Peter has been fishing. He's hanging around. Jesus is teaching. And Peter hears Jesus turn around and say to him, hey, why don't you just push your boat out a little further? Peter said, uh, we've been fishing all night. They're not biting. Jesus said, push your boat out a little further. Hey, man, we're fishermen. You teach about God, we'll do the fishing. Jesus said, push your boat out a little further. Okay. Now drop down your nets. Okay. I try to tell you, God, you don't understand my situation. You're out of touch. You keep talking about the kingdom of God coming, the kingdom of God being at hand. You keep talking about forgiveness, the law of Moses. All right. Oh! The fish hit that net immediately so much. What was his next fear? We're going to be capsized. He called all the fishermen that were around and go, help. All the, the Bible says the other boats came and they almost capsized. It's the power of the word. Peter had learned it. If you say come, I'm going to step out on that word. This is a beautiful principle. Last week we talked about it. This is Genesis 1. In the chaos, darkness, confusion, Holy Spirit's hovering. 
And God said, let there be light. All through the Bible, this is the picture that God wants you to know. You're not just doing your devotion. It's a relationship. He speaks to you and he shapes you. And he frames your world by what he says. Listen to me. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? This. God spoke and the world came into existence and it had all the laws and order it needed to be a created world by God. And it's self-sustained. He speaks and he frames your world or he reframes it. You know what a frame is. Help me see the picture you want me to see. God, this is what a frame is. And you see something that somebody wants you to see. It's something that happened. It was a moment frozen in time. And God says in the word, he framed the worlds by his word. Peter knew this. The Roman officer that we talked about last week, he knew this too. He said, Jesus, I have a paralyzed servant. But if you'll just say, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and he'll be made whole. And Jesus said, I haven't seen this kind of faith. You're a Gentile. You're not even a Jew. But because of your faith, be healed. And the Bible says the servant was healed. It's so simple you can miss what I'm saying to you this morning. Just say the word and reframe my servant's paralyzed situation. And he did. There's another graphic picture of it in John chapter 11. Jesus loved Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. And Jesus comes. He's so disturbed by the oppression and the grief Verse 35 says, he wept. A few verses later, the Bible says, your Bible says, Lazarus was dead and he stunk. Theologians tell us, Lazarus was dead for longer amount of time than Jesus was. And he's framed. His picture is, he actually, it's like mummy grave clothes is what it says. And Jesus says, the word of God says, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus didn't say, I don't receive that. You don't realize my situation. This is a storm like I've never seen before. Shoo, wee, I'm starting to stink too. The word, that's all that happened. There was no cure. There was something spoken into the atmosphere. That, and it's a good thing Jesus said Lazarus because he was in a cemetery. If he just said come forth, there'd be, ah! You know? Can you imagine Lazarus? He was wrapped. The Bible, and it specifically, specifically says his face was wrapped in burial cloths. Can you imagine when the people saw his friends standing there? They went from, oh. Can you imagine? Lazarus, what are you doing? 
What do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing? You're supposed to be dead. We saw the picture. What are you doing? And this is Lazarus. Did you hear what he just said? That's what I'm doing. I heard his word, and I'm putting him into practice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And here I am. Get these clothes off of me. They don't belong to me. My situation just got reframed. In your storm, it's so easy for you to see. Be overwhelmed by that. Every mature believer, every mature Christian has learned how to keep their focus on Jesus in the storm. God help us in this crazy, pandemic, chaotic, dark, oppressive world to let this frame our world. Because this is different than what the boisterous voices on CNN are saying and Fox and everywhere else. Let this frame our world. If you're going to watch that stuff, make sure you look into this and let that stuff get framed by this. I'm preaching better than y'all are smiling right now. But I'm, 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 I'm telling you, you can do the impossible. I pray that this church, I pray this prayer for every one of my children. One of the 12 things I pray over them every day. God, may they, get, may they have a crazy faith to swing for the fence, live life on the edge, get out of the boat, believe you for the impossible. May this church be a, I, I heard the word come. I'm getting out and I'm walking on water because I'd rather be with you, Jesus, in this storm than on this boat with a bunch of 11 shallow thinking scaredy cats who are looking to do what everybody's doing at moments that matter. Don't be the courageous one. Don't open that church yet. Man, you just wait and see. Go ahead there, big boy. Let's see how it works out for you. Yeah, see how it works out for us. We got a word from the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to download something. Please hear me. Please hear me. I have the authority to say this. I have learned to be led by the voice of God. When, I, when we first came back, the church was in the early days of revitalized mode. We were six months in exactly. And I was frustrated. We weren't growing. We were actually shrinking a little more before we started to grow. And I went into that prayer room. I was, I was upset. I was like, God, I know sitting right there, you gave us a word in May of 2015 to come to this church. And we came. And we're doing everything we can. I, I was used to seeing progress a little quicker. But God was, listen, God was perfecting me. He was teaching me patience. And I was like, God, I've been here six months. And this not, nothing's happening. And the Lord said, in that prayer room, I heard God say, he wasn't audible. If you'd been in there, you probably wouldn't have heard it. But I heard it. He said, read Exodus 23. It was August 23rd. Every day of the month, I read that proverb that month. And I heard the Lord say, read Exodus 23. I'm like, okay. I read it. And there was a phrase, some of you all have heard me tell this story, that leapt off that page. And I laid, I, I laid it in that carpet and cried. 
I was like, like, I'm dying. I'm starving. And God spoke, and he said, through Joshua and Moses, God said, when I bring you into the promise, and y'all been in this wilderness for 40 long years, when I take you in there, get ready. I'm not going to drive out all of its inhabitants in a year. I'm not going to remove all the wild animals because if I did, you all would get the big head and think you've got the Midas touch. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm doing a work in this church with or without you. The Lord said, little by little, I will drive them out. I'm like, God, I appreciate that, but I like a lot by a lot. But I, I, God and I wrestled. I'm telling you, I walked differently. Like Jacob, when I came out of there, I said, okay, Lord, as long as we're seeing progress, even if it's this kind of progress, I can live with that. Why? Because you spoke to me. And we, that's what we had. We didn't have any spikes. We got out of debt. We got healthier. God began to bless this church. People began to come. Little by little. Then a lady, a former homosexual lesbian for over a decade who had come out of that lifestyle is a prophetic, gifted voice, friend of mine that I met on a Trace Diaz weekend. She, she shared last summer here, Sierra. She's now married and has a baby. And she shared her story. She visited, listen to this, three years ago last month. So December of 20, 2018, she sat right over there, and at the end of the service, she came up to me. And she said, Pastor Chuck, the Holy Spirit would say to you, in three years, you're not going to recognize this place. I'm going to pour out my spirit, and this church is going to be thriving again. Here we are three years and one month later, and look at this. Hold on, hold on. It's the voice of the Lord that goes, I can deal with these storms. May you learn. I could, I could go on. In the pandemic, when the pandemic, I, I have to share this. It's quitting time, and we're going to pray in just a second. But I feel the Holy Spirit. This is a profound moment for some of you. You're hearing something that is directly from the Lord to you about your situation, and it's going to give you life. Here's what, when the pandemic hit, we're like, oh, we had just been in a 40-day fast. <laughs> Just came off of it. We are like, God, we are going to go, go eat at this restaurant, that restaurant, that restaurant. And then all of them shut down. I'm like, God. And, and, but I was in here praying. I'm like, God, we've got momentum now. And we've got to shut. We were, the, we were one of the last churches in the area to shut down. But to flatten the curve, help out Dr. Fauci, not knowing who he was, we did it. I don't care what they say. They don't call me PC for no reason. They call me PC because I am not politically correct. I don't care. I am biblically correct, and I do not care anymore. Listen, so I came in here praying, and the Lord spoke to me. We, and the Lord said, this is about exposure. I'm getting ready to expose everything and everyone, both good and bad. This was early March, before any of us really knew what was happening. Some were suspicious, and I thought, okay, God, if you're getting ready to expose good and bad, I'm going to be good. And we made sure we had our house in order. And do you know what? This community for the last, I don't know how many years, they forgot we were here. Some of you live down the street 
Some of you live in this community and you, you didn't even know we were here. And God began to expose what was good and he put it in line with a prophetic word from three years earlier that was rhema, had life on it, and now we sit here enjoying the fulfillment of the And we're watching political leaders, medical leaders, educational leaders get what? Exposed. God's pulled the veil back, and how many of you are thankful he's pulled it? We need to see what's really been going on. Come on, praise the Lord for his word. Praise your name, Jesus. This is what Peter, when Jesus said, the words that I say to you, are they are spirit and they are life. This is how man lives. We were, how did we navigate the pandemic? We had 175, 200, I don't know, maybe 250 people in our church when it hit. And we we're like, we, we can't just not meet and stay in touch with our people. We didn't have a media department, but we had an iPhone and a Facebook page. And God spoke to me and gave me the name. He said, go on every afternoon at 5 o'clock. And so I go on at 12 noon on Saturday, weekdays at 5. And, and give people, this sounds so corny, but when God gives it to you, you can't argue. He literally, he said, give people a dose of hope. I'm like, what series do you, what should I? He's like, I'll tell you, I'm telling you just like it happened. I'll tell you every day what you're to tell the people. Candace, we were amazed. God would just drop a thought. And when we first started, it was like 55 people online. It was like, wow, hello. This, I've never been on TV with 55 people watching. <laughs> and then it was 100. And then the numbers, and then we started realizing, oh, People were sharing. And it was a, I was sitting in that, my office with a stand and an iPhone, and I was just talking to it. But God was speaking. People began to pick up on it. Then our bookkeeper said, Pastor Chuck, our numbers and givers, there's people. Do you know this name? Do you know that? I'm like, I don't. And we noticed we grew in every way during the shutdown. God kept speaking to us and leading us. What we're enjoying right now, it's not clever leadership. This isn't John Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. This is the word of God, the living God. This is how we live, not on bread alone. Are y'all out there? Come on, we praise you, Lord. He's a living God. Listen to this. So we're like, okay, what do we do? We said, we got to meet in the parking lot. We can't just not meet. They're all trying to tell us, hey, get used to the new way of doing church. I'm like, no, I, am, I refuse. Well, you're going to be a dinosaur. I'm going to be a dinosaur with the fire of God and the anointing, and we're going to declare the word, and we're going to be the church of the living God. We're not going to go being stuck, isolated around. Thank God for it, for people that need it. But the church has to get together. We began to meet in the parking lot. Y'all remember, the glory of God started falling. There are people in leadership in this church now who didn't know we were here and heard the worship when we started meeting in that parking lot. We did that four uh, Saturday nights. The last Saturday night of May, the next morning was Pentecost Sunday. And we're a Pentecostal church. We don't do crazy, but we are, Pentecost we are 100% Pentecostal church. And the Lord said, for 2,000 years, it's the first time that my church hasn't met on Resurrection Sunday. Don't let that sanctuary be open and empty on Pentecost Sunday. I said, okay. That night, we said, how many of you want to meet? 
Y'all have heard this story, but this is not clever. Let's just see who wants it. Let's take a vote. Here's a survey. Uh-uh. God said, we opened up, and now it was about 150 people. And I will tell you, to this day, it's the sweetest service I've been in in the last five years of this church. How many of you were here and remember? God visited us here. He gave me that morning what to share. I don't have time to go into all the details. But the Lord said, I'm getting ready. If I've heard this word once, which I did when he told me, since then I've heard it a thousand times. God said, and I told our people, God said to me this morning, he's getting ready to draw a like-minded group of people, getting them in one place and one accord. Not on one Facebook page. One place and one accord. And I'm getting ready to send sounds from heaven and I'm going to fill that place with my presence. And I'm going to make this church irresistible. And look around. How many of you have come to understand the power? I could give you one example after another. We live on the word of God. I'm going to close here in just a minute. But can you all just receive? Is anybody picking up what God is putting down this morning? Come on. We just thank you, Lord, for your word. Point three, and I'm going to just state it and tell one story. God, in the storm, God wants you to focus on him. Actually, he wants you to hyper-focus. Look at me. Simon Peter gets a bad rap because everybody's like, he shouldn't have tried it. No, he, he, I'm glad he was able to tell the disciples. I know I messed up. It wasn't the first time, and if you've, fought, if you've read the Gospels, it wasn't the last time. He royally messed up. He's cutting off ears. He's denying he knows Jesus. But in the end, he got it right because he was the one able to say, no, this that's happening on the day of Pentecost is that. That's the one who said it because he knew the word. Joel said it 700 years ago, and here it is. It's happening. On that stormy Sea of Galilee, he stepped out because Jesus said, come. And every, we all get the picture of like, Jesus was here and the storm was over here. Why did he go? No. Jesus was there. He, the Bible clearly says he was walking to him. Jesus was there. And the Bible said the storm was all around Jesus and Peter. And this is why we have to learn to go hyper-focus, laser-focus. Keep your eye on the ball, and you can hit the ball. Jay Wagner, you ever heard that? Probably about 10 million times. Big baseball player from Auburn University. I've coached my boys and dozens of other boys. Here's the deal. I used to tell them, if you keep your eye on the ball, it's like magic. You don't even have to have a pretty swing, but you'll make contact. You can hold the wrong end of the bat, the fat end, and do the short end. But if you watch the ball, you will hit the ball. And to watch a kid, so many believers, you need to go back to T-ball and go, I just have to watch the ball. The storm is all around me, all around Jesus, all around everybody I know. But when I see him, I don't have fear. I have faith. And I'm going to walk on these impossible circumstances. I'm not going to believe what they're telling me. I'm going to believe what he's telling me. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance over you against the spirit of fear. I speak hope and faith into you this morning. I know I've gone a little long, but listen to me. 
there's breakthrough coming. I, I'm speaking not on my behalf. I'm speaking on his behalf. You are going to live and not die. You're not in a storm of correction. You're in a storm of perfection. Because in a couple weeks, God's wanting you to go, what kind of man is this? Who is this? Are y'all out there? He's wanting to reveal something to you that you've never experienced. Come on, stand to your feet, brothers and sisters. I want to quickly ask elders, elder couples, pastoral staff couples, and I want to ask people group leaders. Some of you need to come and drive a stake in the ground and receive prayer that you will be able to remember he's with you. That you'll be able to remember, I've got to hear his voice and I've got to keep my eyes on him. If you're here this morning, and I just, I want us as a church family, over you Kuas, Joe, in the name of Jesus, Bruno, Nico, in the name of Jesus, God knows how long this storm is going to last, but you are not going under in the name of Jesus. He, he is going to perfect and reveal. If you're here this morning, whether it's a correction or perfection, and you go, I need help. I need somebody to pray for me. I want you to step out quickly and come. As they begin to sing, rain fell. The rain fell. Come on, step out in the name of Jesus and receive prayer, receive ministry before you go to lunch. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity in Jesus' name. We speak deliverance. We speak healing. We speak life over that biopsy, over that medical report. We speak life in the word of God into that industry. We speak life in the name of Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church.